Welcome everyone to Andor, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Galactic Core. My name is Matt, and joining me in the control room is Pete. Hello there, Pete. Rebels unite. This is the Andor podcast by Fantastic Geek for Andor Episode 6, The Eye. Pete, before we get into this episode of Andor, just yesterday we were talking the mind-bending She-Hulk finale, uh, and our podcast for that is up. Uh, Pete, don't want to give any spoilers there, but uh, as you look at Disney Plus in a whole new way. The multiverse? More like the metaverse. Uh, And of course, we will be talking the season wrap for She-Hulk next week, so looking forward to... uh, to putting a bow on that, and uh, Pete also getting a lot of uh, prominence in the the Disney Plus banner there is Werewolf by Night, which of course at this point has been out for uh, eight whole days, which in the world of streaming is forever ago. Uh, but of course, our podcast for that is up on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and the Marvel Movie Podcast feed. Ready for whenever you take in Werewolf by Night, check it out today. And uh, we got some lower decks that we'll be talking tomorrow, a return to the holodeck there. It should be a fun conversation. Uh, then, Pete, as we look squarely here at uh, at some Star Wars news, what's going on there with Tony Gilroy, the beloved showrunner? Quoted, Matt, on the Empire Magazine a podcast that the next episode is very interesting. Okay. <laughs> Isn't every episode interesting? I think so. I think all these six episodes have been interesting, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Episodes 8, 9, and 10 will be its own arc, uh, as will uh, episodes 11 and 12. So it would stand to reason that this next interesting, very interesting episode, Matt, uh, is its own thing. Uh, I hope it's really like a hardcore dive into... Uh, Ma and Pa Mothma uh, as their marriage disintegrates amid uh, a a rebel victory and everybody attempting to respond uh, to that. If nothing else, it's interesting to hear him talk about that pacing, given as how, you know, through six episodes, we can say, okay, there's a three episode arc, one through three. There's, you know, another three episode arc, four through six. To be honest, I kind of was expecting more of that for the second half of this first season. Uh, and the fact that it's not it certainly uh, sets up some different expectations. Well, I mean, that it would seem 7 and 10. I'm, I'm sorry, 7 is its own little thing. And then, you know, the remaining 5, a 3-episode arc, a 2-episode arc for the finale. Anyway, Matt, bring it on. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. Let's take a closer look at the data tapes smuggled out about this episode. A campfire flares in the morning fog of an Aldani mountaintop. Nemec gives Clem a drink and confesses he couldn't sleep. Clem tells him it's natural and that the excitement will kick in. Nemec assumes Clem isn't his real name and wrote about the role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. Solo, you sure they'll catch on? 
Uh, certainly Nemec's conclusion there that, uh, mercenaries being a tool, much as a, yeah, any sort of weapon could be that, uh, Do this... you think his, uh, manifesto is going to Lando? Uh, I, Pete, I think there's a lot of possibility there. Um, indeed he's arguing that the, the rebellion should get more mercenaries to help use all those tools available, uh, to the rebellion and or kind of confirms this mindset noting that the empire does not play by uh you know kind of any set of moral rules uh indeed they don't care enough to learn the rules of what's going on here they don't have to by virtue of their great power uh but be careful should they learn about you uh and uh what should we be thankful for and uh andor says does he look thankful to you and then tells uh, Nemec that he'll sleep when it's over. He will, Matt. He will. Oof. At the base, it is noted by, you know, the, the Imperial high muckety-mucks here that the, the Donnies are a simple people. They're vulnerable to manipulation. Uh, can't keep many ideas in their simple heads. Uh, the, the Empire, of course, has offered alternatives to them. Uh, and uh, the Aldani uh, might consider, you know, trinkets or options in this and that. And as they are considering it, they don't see that they are losing out in other ways. And ultimately, they would rather lose uh, and suffer than accept defeat. Uh, and we have the the interesting and doubtless somewhere rooted in some sort of historical, real world historical <laughs> reference here. A part of this uh, this migration here, they wouldn't accept the transportation from point A to B. Instead, going for the ten day journey so fine they won't use imperial help but uh, the empire has left comfort stations inns and taverns and the like and that has whittled down the group of 1500 now to about 60 yeah blankets might have been too on the nose um indeed indeed um also i'm thinking just from a practical perspective in a quasi post-covid quasi still covid production era yeah, a smaller group of Aldani does certainly work for COVID production bubbles and all of that. Uh, but ultimately, of course, they're headed to their sacred valley. Do they know they're going to get kicked out after this one, that this is the last, you know, uh, uh, journey to see the eye? Oh, don't worry. When the Empire is building phase two here, you know, we've had reference made to uh, expanding the airfield or things of that sort. Uh, you know, all these Aldani will be back to, you know, be the quasi-forced labor to build what is planned. Outside, the Commandant asks Lieutenant Gorn what he makes of Imperial Engineer Colonel Pettigar. Uh, Gorn tells him he's not going to be able to charm an engineer and that he has brought 30 centuries from Alkenzi Air Base and sent his best men to the perimeters so everything's squared away for the eye festivities. Meanwhile, Pete, Tamrin radios in, Echo One, Echo One, come in, Echo One. Uh, Andor asks if what they are using is Imperial tech. Pete, I'm just realizing now that that's actually a slight little teensy Chekhov's gun for later when TV's Nick Blood is able to listen in uh, on the Imperial radio waves, perhaps. Uh, but ultimately they do uh, get the connection, Echo One, Vel, uh, 
the that connection is made and Vel gives a, a valley one back. Uh, we are locked in. Uh, it is noted that this tech will last after everything is fried. Okay, that's clear setup for later. All the radios won't work, except this radio will. Got it, story. Uh, they're locked in, and Andor and Skeen talk. Give a little background here. They didn't tell you about Tamron, did they? Tamron was a stormtrooper, uh, and Cinta in particular was angry to learn that, given as how her whole family was slaughtered by stormtroopers. A lone object streaks over, and the colonel asks Gorn if the eye has started. Uh, he says the Donnies don't believe it ever ends. Um, he gets word the pilgrims are arriving and orders a peaceful welcome. Tamron tells the rebels to blend in as troops from Al Kenzie. We have also amidst these scenes, some of it intercut. We have Vel and Cinda prepping a piece of tech. Uh, I guess ultimately, Pete, it is a uh, little, you know, thing to propel them through the water and maybe not the dam buster thing that I was so heavily invested in. That's okay. I'm not going to be an online person who's angry at the show for not writing my ending. Thank you very much. Um, but we know this is happening at the same time, Pete, because they look up at, as the first meteorite, uh, or technically it's a crystal impact in the atmosphere. Meteorite goes by. Um, and we also have Vel and Cinta, uh, hiding in a little cave. Stormtroopers coming along, Pete. The first time, to my knowledge, that there is live action Star Wars, the wee wee happening. Um, but <laughs> they, they they don't tread any closer to the cave on account of the trooper wee wee. <laughs> it's a lot to take in there, but they are also. It was a lot for him to let out too. He was he was there was a long also march. Distracted by the eye, the commandant Matt can't tighten his belt because he's so fat and satisfied uh, and asks his wife for help, but she's dressing their son for the festivities. Um, Dad asks where his son's imperial blouse is, but he doesn't want to wear that. It doesn't feel well. Uh, Commandant Dad laments his son is always ill. If they want to get transferred from this stinking planet, though, they have to impress the colonel tonight. So, Pete, I'm a little unclear how I should feel about Commandant, first name Jay Hold. Uh, okay, he's dismissive of the fact that his son is sickly, and he's uh, reminding his wife to behave and listen to him, uh, her husband. How should I feel about Jay Hold again? Well, the good thing is, before the end of the episode, you'll be able to cement how you feel about him. At Gorn's checkpoint, Gorn questions the Donnie leader, taking some guff from him. Uh, more guards uh, eye the, the rear crew, which is to say Tamron's crew, um, but all pass through, and I said, we're going to be okay. But then there's like further troopers now behind Tamron's crew, I have to admit, Pete, I thought they were going to do some business with, and ultimately they weren't, but it does ratchet up the tension in the moment. Having changed into frog suits, Vel and Cinta use two meteors to cover their advance. Nemec tells Clem he's not tired at all. 
And Gorn orders the rebel imposters to accompany him into the facility. Vel and Cinta swim to the facility with that uh, propulsion device there, kind of a little submarine they grab onto. And Gorn goes to the commandant, his family, and the colonel. With a smelly goat skin, they will trade the unwashed locals for a three-year lease of their land. Ha, 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 ha. They'll do the ceremony, the commandant says, and then they'll enjoy their lavish feast away from the filth. On the top of the dam, some troopers are late, uh, which is an opportunity for us to be reminded that Kimsey works on the top of the dam doing radio stuff. It's a bad time to mess up. Don't let Gorn catch you, etc. Um, but because of the commotion there, we see, though Kimsey does not, uh, that the women are in position, making their way up the side of the dam. And uh, we then go to Gorn and the officers uh, who stop by Tamron's group. Looks like there's about to be some digging in here. You know, oh, you're from uh, the air base. Yes. And then maybe there's going to be more. But, oh, look, let's just go talk to the Aldani people uh, and the commandant. Tells Gorn, you do all the talking uh, with, the, uh, with the job here to make things quick. Let's get it over here so I can make the colonel, like me, fat and satisfied. Vel and Cinta place what I thought was a charge, later revealed to be your radio scrambler device. Uh, even as Kimsey chats bored on the radio. Pete, to think that the whole Rebel Alliance could have been brought down if Kimsey had a window... <laughs> um to his office simple as that yes he has the door open maybe for the tv and film effect of you know we see in the background as vel runs by but pete if they put him in a glass radio shack and not and you know not one that's all lights out he could have said wait you stop and that would have been it and it would have been empire forever as some people on twitter are weirdly really into i mean there always has been an imperial um you know, uh, aesthetic in terms of the architecture. Um, but, uh, he radios out Kenzie, uh, that's, uh, shutting down because nobody wants to fly in the eye. Uh, also a reminder that, uh, the skies are about to get dangerous here. Uh, we go to the ceremony. There's, there's bowing, there's goat skin trading and so forth. Uh, Tamron keeps checking with his earpiece here. Valley one is a go. Call it Vel. Call it Vel. You can see the weight on her face. I thought Pete on first view a little contrived here, but let's put ourselves in the place of these of these rebels in a rebel, not even alliance, in a rebel movement that does not have much success or cohesion. If she says, let's stop, they can all sneak away. If she says go, there's the potential for it to go horribly wrong. Uh, but ultimately, urged on by Cinta, she does uh, give the green light, and uh, away we are off. Uh, preparing to rappel down the dam here. I think I'd have cause for hesitation, Matt. The chieftain tells uh, Gorn to tell the commandant that their ghosts have strong hands and long memories, but Gorn relays uh that um the eye find the good in all of them 
um, in English or Imperial Standard or whatever we're going to say that they speak here, which the chief seems to understand because he gives a look uh, and the commandant tells Gorn uh, they will give the Donnies the gift of their absence as they leave to become fat and satisfied. Uh, the officers, as well as Tamron and uh, his crew, start to make their way in. We see the pilgrims burn the traded fur. I have to confess, Pete, I was curious, was that part of the ceremony? Or was that like, all, you know, is there also the Aldani end of like, all right, we just had our baloney transfer of the three-year lease here and, and we'll turn the bauble aside. I think it works. It works both ways. Yeah, this, the subtext, you know, the beauty of this show that it doesn't have to be explained to you that uh, you're bright enough. Keep up. Yet another example of the show really trusting the audience, which is nice because I guarantee somebody gave a note like, should we make it clear why that thing's getting burned? Because maybe somebody's confused why it's getting like, no, it, it works both ways and neither way impacts what's about to happen next. Indeed, the exterior shots show that it is getting darker out now. And uh, Gorn facilitates the uh, Tamron crew to get even deeper into the base. Uh, we have uh, Commandant J. Hold, again, first name, not last name, uh, monologuing about the end of Aldani civilization, even as we see Andor with some intent, you know, push the lever down, uh, closing the door, locking them in, that sort of thing. And now it's blasters out, and the whole J. Hold family is being held at gunpoint. Yes, the rebels reveal themselves, taking these troops and officers, the family hostage. The colonel pulls on Nemec, but Sinta and Vel, having repelled down, surprise him. Sinta drops him. Uh, Gorn sends more men down to enjoy the eye, and Vel tells the commandant they're taking him to the payroll vault because they need his hand to open it. No, 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 no. Don't try to say that you can't do this. We know how it works. Okay. No Imperial baloney here. Um, and his wife tearfully pleads that he do what they say as they are bound and the elevator heads down. Kimsey, who no disrespect to the character who is existing ultimately to be, uh, you know, climax tension in the story and so forth. He fiddles with his radio switches. Something is not working. Uh, we go deeper still into the base as the culinary crew is setting up for the, the hearty table, but they are shocked as all of a sudden there's guns, everybody down against the wall and so forth. Uh, the comms crew is similarly taken here. Uh, we see our rebels slowly taking over, and we also see Vel's hard edge is only getting harder. Uh, Kimsey, we're back to him fiddling, fiddling, nothing is working. Uh, and we also cut to the Aldani chanting as the night gets darker still. The rebels reach the vault with the commandant and get the drop on the skeleton crew of soldiers Gorn made sure would be there who are playing cards commandant urges them to cooperate since they have already killed the colonel and Skeen tells them they're going to load the transport as Clem and Nemec get it ready 
to think Pete, one of those one of those workers had just gotten Hexa in their card game. It was his best card game ever, and now now things are about to go uh go quite a bit worse here. Um Nemec takes out his nav device, you know, the one that we've established in prior episodes, and the one that will play a larger role shortly. Um and we see the pieces of the plan coming together here. Uh, Jay Hold admits that he can unlock the door, but he can't release the bonds that are keeping the money in place. Uh, no, 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 we have the means to do that. So uh, indeed they do. Uh, and they start to move in and load up all the money that they can. Kimsey intercepts Nemec and Sinta talking. Um, and Sinta puts on an Imperial uniform as Alkenzie radios. It's detected a vault breach. She shuts the line off and drops power to the base. So Kimsey leads troops down to the vault. Oh, but Kimsey, what about the eye? You know, no, no, no. He says to the vault, we go in the vault. The hurried loading continues uh scheme and indeed all the rebels here encouraging the uh the workers to to get a move on and so forth we get a check-in on the outside as uh people are looking to the sky more and more of it lighting up the penitent are impressed um and as we get closer and closer to it it really is something to see i know we're not quite at the best part of it yet but i like the slow reveal here back to the vault it's almost time to head out gorn arrives pete you might recall that he brought his flashlight, so when the power went down, he still could find the way. Uh, and at this point, Jay Hold is stunned. You'll hang for this, says the Commandant. And Gorn says that uh, seven years of service was even worse than that. Clem tells Gorn they're good to go before we whisk to Alkenzie, where pilots drop into their TIE fighters. Yeah, which is a great scene i mean I, I, we've kind of sort of seen such a thing thinking of force awakens and so forth but it's just you just i don't know to my eyes pete it was new for live action to see ties loaded up like this and it was it was fun of course it adds to the tension as well back in the vault uh kimsey is making it has made his way down wait what's going on gorn tells him you're off your post you aren't cleared to be here this is a secret mission go on get out of here uh still no response from kimsey Tell him, Commandant, Gorn says. Now, of course, Pete, we've had a few select moments in the last couple scenes where the Commandant's hair is quite uh, quite messy, quite sweaty, leading into Kimsey coming down the stairs. The Commandant is rubbing his left upper arm. Always a story clue for what's about to happen next, uh, which is the Commandant passes out, clutching his chest, uh, heart attack uh, inferred, despite the fact, Pete, that the Commandant has acted as though he had no heart at all. Maybe he shouldn't have grown so fat and satisfied. A firefight ensues. Some baddies hit uh, Pete, I think even two. Uh, Kimsey, played by Nick Blood, seems to have the, the, the fatal shot there. No close-up moment for him saying, for the Empire. Um, and I think, I think a conscien- conscious choice in this firefight to not necessarily give um either goodies or baddies not to give them necessarily a you know a close-up death uh you know the camera is going to capture you now act that that's kind of denied because we are in the milieu of such a firefight where some do live and some do die 
Clem goes to the cockpit, but an Imperial attacks him. All the while, the three ties are lowering to launch at Alkenzie. Vel is pinned down, and Tamarin is shot, trying to get to her. Nemec shoots the soldier, strangling Clem. Vel and Skeen board the getaway car and close the doors as the ties launch from Alkenzie. The unsecured loot crushes Nemec as they exit the tunnel into the eye. Vel and Skeen free him, but he can't free his uh, he can't feel his legs. Clem needs a flight path through the eye, and Vel med spikes, think adrenaline here, Nemec center of the chest there, as those ties close in but are having a hard time navigating the eye. Pete, the devil is in the details, and Nemec did not account for the fact that in the overhead bins, contents may have shifted during flight. Uh, a fatal miscalculation here. But as you mentioned, without Nemec to be at the moment, giving coordinates and numbers and so forth, uh, Andor is flying blind. Um, ultimately, Nemec, having been med-spiked, um, is, is looking through the info. Climb! Climb! Uh, Andor suggesting in passing, you know, what did you give him? Kind of is the information that he is giving and the way he's giving it can't be trusted. Um, but even though you don't have enough speed, climb! Nonetheless, Andor wrenches the ship up. Uh, we see that it's uh, it's no worse, certainly. Uh, and then dive, dive, vector six, five, 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 one, full boost. Uh, and the sky is glorious. We see uh, some of the meteorites, which find technically crystals in the atmosphere, uh, take out one of the TIE fighters. That's because, Pete, they're not following the guaranteed, genuine Nemec flight path. I've seen people say, oh, Nemec's dying words to Andor are the same as K2SO's climb in the Imperial Data Fault on uh, Scarif, except the fact that they're wrong because uh, they're the opposite. And he tells uh, him to dive here, which uh, takes out that first tie. They then get through the eye and the other two ties explode um all the while here on the surface matt cinta having disguised herself walks off under the eye as the pilgrims watch tearfully wither the cinta from the story i guess time will tell there but andor's ship is free with some losses he needs a heading and nemec needs a doctor vel does not want to Go to the doctor, though Skeen notes that a uh, a doctor version of the plan has been built into things. There is a doctor contingency that they could go to. Uh, but perhaps more importantly, Skeen notes that the kid is why we're here. I read that, Pete, both philosophically as well as the ability to have charted through the, the eye, debris, and so forth. Uh, and so only makes it crueler when what's about to happen takes place. Uh, yeah, yeah. So indeed, they do go to the doctor, a four-armed, half-cybernetic doctor revealed. Yeah, Doctor Quadpaw, which is um, it, what he is. <laughs> um, emergency surgery is done. I love the little detail 
if it is Vel who who's holding up the yeah, the yeah. bags, uh, you know, whether it's blood, saline, whatever it might be. Uh, then Pete, as you mentioned, outside, Skeen wonders if uh, Nemec will make it. Andor mentions luck, uh, and luck drives the whole darn galaxy. Skeen notes, but Pete, I care to guess how much money is in that transport? Uh, enough to split the eighty million credits, forty each. As Skeen tempts Clem, he can't fly, but he's got a place to lay lay low. What do you say about it, brother? Wait, Skeen never had a brother, and Clem caps him. Before he's capped, I love this line here where Andor says, you know, what of the rebellion? Uh, and Skeen's rebellion is me against everybody else. I would propose, Pete, there's your little Tony Gilroy lesson. What's the difference between a real rebellion and a fake one? Uh, it's are you in it for other people or are you in it for yourself? Uh, but as you say, uh, Skeen taken out. I would infer Pete shot in the face, although I guess the... The Disney way would be to show it, ulti- you know, to show the moment of death off screen as his body slumps over and so forth. Screenshot first, man. <laughs> Inside, the doctor has patched up Nemec. It looks successful for the first moments, but he has tried and not succeeded. The, the sheet, the plastic type sheet brought up and pulled over him. Story uh, code for he's dead. Read my mind. Stop reading my mind and my notes. Andor enters, gun up. He offers the doctor 30,000 credits for the ship in the barn. Uh, it's double what is worth, what, what the ship is worth. Um, and uh, he shares the truth about skiing. Then Andor notes that his job is over. He's taking his promised cut and leaving. Um, so as this scene is unfolding, couple of things here first of all he's overpaying for the escape ship second of all he's taking the money that all agreed or at least vel agreed was his and you know what is the proof here of the situation pete we could have a whole other scene where vel goes outside and says no he's dead and a whole conversation about well how do i know you're telling the truth instead okay instead of all that boring stuff andor returns the kyber crystal to Vel's friend, you know, Vel, take this back to your friend. There's your symbol of keeping your word and honor, and I'm honorable, and I'm taking what I was promised and not a credit more, and so forth. Uh, however, Pete, he is going to take something a little bit more. Yes, Vel says Nemec insisted Clem get his manifesto, and now, because he's sleeping, you have to take it. Andor takes it and runs. On Coruscant, Dedra and others are running into a meeting. Uh, indeed, a meeting. Just so you're clear, Dedra is her first name. Uh, Pete, I feel like she's Dedra to me. I feel like she's Dedra to all of us. Even Dedra though... Miro. Pete, I feel like I feel like she's my aunt Dedra. Okay. <laughs> However, imperial aunt. Whoa! What? What if she's she's with Uncle Harlow? uh p i'd say save that for theories a segment coming up next um portugas is running the meeting of course we're back in the familiar you know uh security room here no one is going home tonight tell your staff tell your families 
uh, sector and retaliation plans need to be prepared for presentation by midnight. So again, I, I appreciate so much that we are being thrown, not into the deep end, but we're being thrown into the pool on this one in terms of it, it takes you halfway through the scene to go, oh, they're replying in real time to this, you know, rebel attack to this, you know, it, it still is breaking news, that sort of thing. This is the all hands meeting. This is the, you know, like everything in this scene is showing things, you know, it's not really happening in real time, but it's, it's almost real time that we're seeing a reaction to it. Pete, take us to the greatest deliberative body uh, in the universe where they're going to get deliberations cut short too. In the Imperial Senate, Mon Mothma makes an impassioned plea on behalf of the Gorman's basic rights, but the chamber seems distracted, and she reads some news. In Luthen's gallery, uh, the buyer is looking at something. It's blue. It's lovely. Uh, She's told that there's an inscription on the back. Uh, you decide what it says because it's written in a secret language. Pete, I feel like that's that's a metaphor there. Um, but bored, I will infer, Pete, bored husband shopping with his wife who's reading the newspaper screen from, from by the window says, but do you have anything from Aldani? You know, there was a rebel attack there. It's all in the news. Luthen goes to look in the back and laughs, relieved. People are starting to stand up. Just how will the revolution happen? Uh, and indeed, Pete, this is an episode that caps to a certain degree the first six episodes. So let's start with this. We know season two is going to have significant time jumps. Will we see a significant time jump? However, you want to define significant. Will we see some sort of time jump from this week's episode to, you know, what I'm assuming has been arced out as the second half of the first season? comparatively speaking as they're preparing for uh production on the second season where we know there's going to be larger time jumps um so with that in mind i'm gonna say no okay um where do things go next i mean we end with andor has left to go you know, hide in obscurity with was it two hundred thousand credits? You know, a, a nice chunk of change. Um, the rebellion. This this crew has been killed or scattered to the wind or so forth. Uh, Pete, I will point out by the way, with our magnificent seven here in the movie Magnificent Seven, three of the people make it to the end, and by my count, two people make it to the end. Although you pointed out, I think off mic that uh, maybe there's a third member of the team still alive. Well, so we don't see Gorn by it. Um, Cinta walks off. Cinta's on the poster, Matt, is being in episodes four, five, six, enough to warrant getting you on the poster where Gorn's not on the poster. Obviously, Skeen and Tamarin and Nemec gone. Okay. Vel is... um, I, I want more Cinta. I want more of her story. Obviously, the relationship with uh, Vel. Okay, we have that there. 
Um, so perhaps uh, Gorn and her reunite and can somehow uh, join our rebels. Well, with Cinta still alive and with Cinta, at least in her last scene, um, still on still on the planet there. Pete, I was so proud of my Dam Busters theory from last week. And then there they are, Cinta and Vel. They're on the other side of the lake. They're getting ready to do something. Okay, fine. There's not a TIE bomber in the background. Then they take out this, you know, rocket-shaped thing. I'm like, oh, we're going to go bust the dam. And no, it's a it's a propeller. It's an underwater propeller that takes them across the lake as they enter through a different way. Okay, fine. Could we still return to bust the dam uh, and save my Dam Busters theory? No. Oh, phooey. <laughs> um, so can we imagine then, I mean, is next week a an episode that's heavy on the character of Andor as he resets? And then, I mean, presumably he's rejoining the Rebel Alliance um, in episode eight, right? So I think next week sets up as the extended response reaction to everything that's happened here. Clearly the empire is going to respond. What does that look like? Uh, what does it mean for uh, Dedra Miro who sits so much of this episode out? Um, we haven't seen Karn in this episode. Does he ha have some kind of role? Does he get swept into that? Um, did Mon Mothma know specifically that this plan was in the offing? Um, I think the performance here from Genevieve O'Reilly says that she didn't. Um, I would agree. And if I put myself in the shoes, let's say of a Luthan or of a, of a nascent rebellion, you know, you need to always be worried about worst case scenario and, loose lips and all of that so if, perhaps she knew there's going to be an operation or we're we have figured out a way to fund the rebellion through a theft but nothing for her to be able to have enough details that you know that could uh compromise the operation there um and indeed pete perhaps this is a vague question i don't know and i know that the the main purpose of you know 80 million credits that that's to to ponder splitting up between skeen and andor um, have we seen the, the, the major payroll that funds the next five years of the rebellion? I don't think that's all of it. I think this was just a, a big chunk. I mean, we were also led to believe they were completely emptying out the place. They didn't, <laughs> um, which is fine. All right. They stole significantly from them. They were on a timeline. They had to get out. Uh, it was the stick in the eye that Luthen wanted to put in the Empire. Now, story demands we see the reaction to that and the ratcheting up of that. We know at some point that Luthen is going to seek out Saw Gerrera. Is the payroll something to do with perhaps bringing Saw in to hire him to... Uh, you know, respond to anything the Empire does and, and turn it into all-out war? Uh, does Nemec's manifesto in some way 
you know, the idea of mercenaries so that Han Solo could eventually be paid to rescue Princess Leia so that Lando Calrissian could be involved uh, with the rebellion and ultimately both become generals, um, you know, winning those mercenaries over uh, those hired guns to to give their uh, time, their energy for the cause, a la Acacian Andor, the the OG mercenary here to work with the rebellion. I do think there's no question that that uh, the manifesto will be returned to. I mean, otherwise, just cut it from the script. Or if you had an idea and then it ended up not working, you ended up not using it in future episodes, then just cut it there. It's easy enough to say, you know, okay, now I will leave. Okay, goodbye. And he runs out. Um, I, I could see it being a, a, a small thing. Perhaps he's, he's reading through it. Perhaps Andor is reading through it in this next episode. And that is part of what helps fully convert him as a rebel, not just a mercenary. Um, but there's too much story import for it to just kind of fizzle up. Unless, Pete, one little asterisk, this is Star Wars after all. Could it be a C-3PO red arm kind of thing? Like, hey, this is a thing to set up the selling of the book of the thing and also the lunchbox that looks like his manifesto or things of that sort. Your Tony Gilroy, Matt, has proven he's not chasing merchandising. Okay, so I, I think that's a red arm herring out of you look i mean we all knew nemec was gonna die it is the war movie trope of the the grunt character that becomes the most beloved will die okay um so that he becomes this influential person for andor okay and given the thing from him that you know, I think might even pass from Andor to Mon Mothma. Uh, allow me to read from this fallen rebel's mind. Here is our Rebel Alliance charter. I I really like that as a possibility, and I would add to it too. I mean, for her to get a hold of it, that would presumably come with some more risk and exposure and so forth any bobbins could die well that's just it like we don't to my mind and correct me if i'm wrong in live action star wars we know where she ends up we don't know when and how she leaves public life uh, a member in good standing of the galactic empire and so forth we don't know when she kind of you know when, when there's that public break um could that be something that occurs in the next six episodes? Or does it get, you know, found with her or something? I think her downfall is going to be linked to her husband. Um, you know, could he go spy? Could he inform on her? What have you? Um, but I, I think the dissolution of their marriage will be linked to her downfall in public life that you know she will have given everything for the rebellion um and you know is going to gain all the more resonance to show up and 
Return of the Jedi. Yes, we see her in Rogue One as the same actress, but you know, all the way to her her furthest appearance, that you know she's guiding the rebellion and she's got the plans for the the second Death Star. Um, you know, the the thing too with uh, the Imperial side of this story and Commandant J. Hold's son makes it okay sickly but he survived you know wouldn't it be the ultimate poke if down the road you know he winds up a rebel um that certainly is possible and i guess it would you know he could be a character if only pete we had somewhere in the star wars timeline that takes place about 10 years from these episodes then we could have kind of 20-year-old um 20-year-old uh son here um which is to say of course we do have that in terms of the mandalorian portion of the storyline mandalorian ahsoka book of boba fett and skeleton crew and all of that so um again i know we we kind of each week we kind of semi-seriously semi-jokingly you know tony gilroy would not allow such setting up of another show but Look, she doesn't run the universe, thankfully. Well, exactly. Somebody who can juggle so many of these shows, like Hollywood legend Kathleen Kennedy, okay, who has an eye not just for now and the thing that she's making, but to preserve the rest of this universe. I mean, Matt, if there's a K-E-V-I-N, uh, there was a K-A-T-H-Y long before that. <laughs> true and and that certainly was the point i was headed towards in terms of you know tony gilroy is not making this in a vacuum and you know fine he he's puffed himself up and talked about the pro the product that he has overseen of which he should be very proud and is very proud that's not to say that somebody else from lucasfilm can't come you know kathleen kennedy uh michelle redjuan who's a uh, a uh, senior vice president who has produced um along with Kathleen Kennedy, some of this stuff, you know, the ability to sit and go, look, Tony, we're putting, you know, where, where the script says, whatever it is, kid of, uh, you know, uh, the, the kid's going to bite it at the end. Uh, first of all, we checked in with uh, corporate. Uh, we kept checked with Disney HQ, not killing the kid. Second of all, uh, make sure he's got these couple of attributes. Why? Because uh, we talked with Kevin Feige. We don't need to tell you why. This is just a setup for something else. Um, and again, for as much as Tony Gilroy is the the master of this ship, if Star Wars is taking any cues from uh, Marvel Studios, it is as you're saying, Pete. You don't need to necessarily tell the boss of one ship why you're inserting a this or or that. That's a minor a minor thing that could have major repercussions later on. To Twitter we go, where people were asked to rate this episode. Pete, the bottom rung, uh, eyes closed, 0%. Uh, one blue kyber gem, losses, 0%. Two kyber gems, fun ride, got 25%. And then three kyber gems, kyber crystals, Star Wars high bar, got 75%. Some replies 
First one here from Brian Spann. That's Brian uh, Ono, O-E-N-O on Twitter. I wasn't very interested in the series. I also skipped Kenobi, but had a chance to catch up with Andor and really glad I did. Just a well-crafted spy slash war story with Star Wars trappings. This episode was particularly nail-biting with a surprising twist. Noel Gardner at Noel Camille says this episode was amazing and beautiful. I keep reminding myself to not get attached to most of these characters. I really, really like this ground-level workplace view of the Star Wars galaxy. Families of Imperial officers, regular people on planets, no mention of the Force. Love it. Uh, at Steve Thurberge says, happy to be along for the ride. There's another six of these. Wow. The heist is done, but the story marches on. Pete, that's kind of what I was feeling, too, during the episode and afterwards. You mentioned we don't have Karn. Obviously, he's got a story trajectory. You know, do we get the return of Bix? Do we see Brasso again? Uh, do we see Mom, a.k.a. Marva? You know, adopted Mom, but Mom of the Heart and all of that. Um, these are all characters who've been sitting out for the last couple of weeks and could easily come back. And I'm just grateful that we have the story place for them. We know that there's more that takes place on Ferrix, so the assumption would be that those characters return. We are from James the Sagacious, Big Kiln on Twitter. Great tension. Looking forward to seeing the rebellion continue to grow. Any chance we'll get Moff Gideon, Grand Admiral Thrawn debating Imperial tactics? Um, I'd, Pete, I would take either or one of those. I think we would, Matt. But would Anthony Gilroy... <laughs> Um, again, I know you say that half seriously, half tongue in cheek. I will point out, you know, we had pondered who will, you know, who will be visiting, uh, the, uh, the base for this, you know, mid season climax and so forth. Uh, and to just get, you know, Colonel Pettiger an engineer. Okay. Not either of the names we had discussed, but, but he uh, totally knows those other, he knows Krennic, he knows Tarkin he knows Moff Gideon. He knows from season whatever of the Mandalorian. He he knows all these dudes. He roomed with them in the Imperial Academy. Ian Silverman, Sylvie underscore 76 says, I thought the first 45 minutes were excellent. And then the last five minutes, not as much. The selfish turn from Skeen was interesting. I had thought one of the crew might turn out to be an Imperial double agent. But I can't decide if I would have liked that twist more than what actually happened. Also, can't decide if we should have gotten more of a death scene for Nemec. Uh, would have been earned for sure, but maybe would have felt too sappy or cheesy for the show. The heist sequence was great. The eye was visually stunning. Obviously, they were setting up the various aftermath stories for next week's episode. But to me, those last few minutes felt a little off. Uh, a little off to just quickly bounce between the ISB, Mon Mothma, and Luthen see their immediate reactions would have liked to see that fleshed out more but i get that it was already a longer than usual episode will we ever see vel or cinta again will uh they ever see each other again can't we start the second half of the season until then stay fantastic so pete i think you've already shared the prediction vel and cinta reunite on screen i i think they have to i mean and you know the representation only ups the ante on that apart from the fact that you know, I, I think we're invested in these characters. Um, Denouement is always the least interesting part for any writer. Um, and at the same time, 55 minutes of this episode. So, you know, there's only so much 
you're going to be able to do at the end that's not the main story that's going to bridge to next episode. So I think this seventh episode is going to be full-on response. And I will disagree with Ian. I think Imperial Double Agent, A, I feel like that's so familiar that it wouldn't have been interesting. And B, I really, really think this small writing room of three guys, I believe, I really, really think this small writing room in making Skeen selfish and not selfless, there is your delineation, I think, between, again, people who are rebelling because they're being selfish and they want their thing because they said it that way and they're not really tied to a larger cause other than themselves and other people who happen to think the same way they do about themselves and a more selfless perspective there. Well, look what it was on Clem. It was projection the entire time. He's a hired gun. We can't trust him. Uh, hey, split this money with me. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Beware, beware. We hear from Sea Smoke Rider. That's uh, Kylie G328 on Twitter. Seems to me that the whole plan fell apart because they knocked out communications. Assuming the reason was regular check-ins, their plan was pretty flawless and only failed because of static. Next, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. I quite enjoyed the I, the newest episode of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Oops, wrong show. <laughs> I quite enjoyed the I, the newest episode of Andor. We all felt the tension in this episode, and rightfully so. It was we watch with subtitles slash closed captioning on to help me catch some of the dialogue I might miss. And many times in this episode... The closed captioning said, tense music playing. <laughs> Not to the level of like a, uh, if you watch Dune with subtitles, <laughs> you know, uh, lamentation noises. Um, Spider-Ham Lincoln says, so long, Skeen, Godspeed, Nemec, Tamarin, and Gorn. Pete, I, I will say just for the record, and this is one of these things where I'm prepared to be wrong. I feel like, on second view, I feel like Gorn did get hit and did not get the virtue of like, where's Gorn? Medium shot on body, as was the case with Tamarin, but uh, time will tell there. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln says, hope Vel comes back for you, Cinta. It was nice to meet you, Dr. Quadpaw. You know, I, I think, Pete, this last bit here, I think Spider-Ham Lincoln is being a little facetious. You know, I'm really liking this Cassian Andor character. I hope he sticks around for a long, long time. Um, certainly he will for... 20 more episodes. Tweeter at law, K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter, uh, wraps us up here. Well, I'm shocked the heist didn't go off his plan. Just shocked. This show is a blast, pew pew, and a fun ride. Zoom, zoom. That escape sequence was absolutely stunning. Dr. Quadpaw, really? Laughing emoji. Good episode for Halfway Point and looking forward to the rest. Pete, this whole first half of the journey, of course, has been made possible by the people to make sure we don't have to do a vault robbery to keep the podcast going i'm talking about the people who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek if you get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek you can get a peek behind the eye there you don't need an entire uh quarterly imperial payroll takes just a dollar a month to fund us and get yourself all sorts of exclusives can't do that you can get over to apple Podcasts. you can leave us a rating in seconds a review in just a little while longer and help the 
HoloNet algorithm push us out so that everybody knows about us and Mon Mothma can read about us in the Imperial Senate. Pete, we literally have more weeks of Andor ahead than we do behind us. Four, uh, six episodes in four weeks versus six episodes in six weeks. Many more weeks of Andor discussion going on. So how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,776 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, back tomorrow to talk Star Trek Lower Decks. We have, of course, the She-Hulk wrap towards the end of uh, next work week and then back for and or episode 107 brandy brand new content in the star wars universe for next star wars saturday with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word may the eye stay open long enough to find some good within you <laughs>